Hey everyone, welcome back to the Shea Station Podcast. It's episode 157. The Mets went on the road to kick off their West Coast trip and they got maybe the ugliest sweep I've ever seen in my life. But three wins is three wins and we're feeling good about it. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly. Joining me in person again is Jerry Blevins. Jerry, how you doing, man? I'm lovely. Good to be in person. Nice to be in the city. And good to see your face live and not on a, on a computer screen, I'll tell As you that. As always, man. Yeah, so the Mets went to Oakland. They uh, they definitely won three games. Uh, you can <laughs> definitely say that. Each of them kind of had their own interesting things about them that we'll definitely get into. But do you have any like large takeaways from this first series of the West Coast trip? Yeah. Um, Lindor and Pete Alonso are really good ball players. Nimmo did his thing. I mm-hmm. am... Worried a little bit about this offense, which is, you know, the big news of Beatty getting called up. Yeah, um, he forced the issue, and the, the offense didn't really help him out in right. keeping him getting seasoning. And so they they need him. They need him to, to kick in that bottom half of the lineup. So Yeah, I think he's going to come up and probably play a lot. And so we're going to get a really good impression of Brett Beatty, who's been raking in the minors. Yeah, man. This series was the story of our two faces kind of carrying the load and doing everything on offense. Got a decent start in the last game, but the pitching once again was kind of faulty. Uh, and the Oakland A's look like they uh, could be one of the worst teams of the 21st century. Ooh, gosh. Uh, I mean, they won or they lost two games to the New York Mets by one run each. True. So there's that for them. They do have that Rooker or Brent Rooker, yeah. Rooker looked good. Who's bounced around. Capel looked all right. Um, Ruiz looks like he can possibly be a star. Legoliers looked okay. Um, They just, you know, they don't have any pitching. Their bullpen was tough. Their starters, you know, Fujinami looked good against us but yeah. his numbers are are terrible so yeah man they're they're not great it's not a pretty scene over in oakland we'll get into it all right after i tell you about the first sponsor for today's episode which as always is DraftKings. guys i hit a parlay this weekend and i was really happy about it it was francisco lindor to get a hit jose budo to get four k's and the mets to get a win simple parlay and i used a boost on it 100 percent boost so i got a little bit of extra dough on that parlay if you're looking to get into sports betting you can place a five dollar pregame money line bet and get 150 dollars in bonus bets if your team wins when you sign up at DraftKings right now and you can make one of those parlays like i did so join that big league action use code shea s-h-e-a and bet five dollars on any pregame money line bet Get $150 in bonus bets at the DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Bet on your Mets. They're hot, you know, or bet on another team if you want to. But thank you to them for sponsoring today's episode. Jerry, are you ready for the recap? I am ready. Let's hit it. There's the music, and we can both hear it. That's so nice. All right. The Mets walked into Oakland, and they walked a lot. They didn't walk to Oakland, but they walked inside the stadium a ton. They put up a six-run second inning with five walks and a Francisco Lindor grand slam. We're going to say the words Francisco Lindor a lot this episode. They did it again in the sixth with five walks, two hit-by-pitches, and a Lindor three-run double. Kodai Senga started this game. He couldn't really settle in with the weird flow of this game in general. A lot of big innings, so he goes four and two-thirds innings, four and runs allowed. Seven strikeouts, seven hits, four walks. Not a great start. He'll have the Dodgers next up, so hopefully he can settle in. Steven Nagosik, our guy, the best mustache on the Mets. He leaves early after taking a comebacker. He was supposed to be in for long relief. Instead, it becomes Dennis Santana. But this one was a mopping. The Mets throw up four more runs in the ninth. They run the walk total to a franchise record 17. 17 walks in a nine-inning game. The Mets win 17-6. It was the longest standard game of the pitch clock era thus far, and it felt like it. This one was a drag, but they win. And then game two, Tommy Pham gets the Mets started with a second-inning solo home run. Jose Budo. Oh, I have the wrong game in front of me. Game two, Pete Alonso reties <laughs> for the major league lead with his seventh home run in the fourth inning. Carlos Carrasco finally looked okay. Went five innings in this one, two earned runs allowed, three strikeouts on 88 pitches. The Mets were kind of stifled by Fujinami, who looked pretty good through six before Mark Canna snapped out of his slump with a home run of his own. And then a Vogi walk, LaCastro stolen base, led to a go-ahead RBI double from Nimmo to make it three to two Mets. The bullpen carried the weight in this one, four shutout innings, one hit, two walks, five strikeouts from Smith. Rayleigh, Adovino, and Robertson. I love saying those four names in a row. Mets win game two. On to game three, which I kind of gave you a little glimpse of before. Sneak preview. Tommy Pham got that home run. Jose Budo looked good in his call-up start to give the 
rotation, some breathing room, five innings, one earned, four walks on two strikeouts. Francisco Lindor, he was a story in this game as well. He put the Mets ahead with a solo shot in the sixth inning. John Curtis, who looked really good outside of that first outing in Miami, he falters in this one, surrenders a go-ahead two-run double to Langoliers in the eighth. But Pete Alonso saves the day. This one could have got away from the Mets, but he crushes a solo home run to center field that was somehow only 430 feet. I don't believe that. Jimmy Yacobonis came on in the ninth to try and save the tie game after Escobar's double play with the bases loaded. He gets out of it with a little help from Brandon Nemo. A passed ball allows the Mets to score in the 10th inning, and then David Robertson is clutch again. Gets the save in this one. The Mets get the sweep. It was an ugly sweep, but they're 10-6 and six on the year. Only one win worse than their pace last year at this point, so I found that pretty interesting. That is interesting. Good work. And good job on the sweep by the Mets, uh, a team that they should sweep. We talked about it right. uh, in the preview. You never want to guarantee a sweep, but this team is clearly you know, not on the same level as the New York Mets, and so you wanted to win every game here. And it took some clutch performances uh, to get it done, especially in games two and three. Uh, game one. Singa battled through some time, right. you know, some uh, long innings. 17 walks is a lot. The The Coliseum presents its own issues with availability of getting back. But he, I was happy with what he said about it after the game. It makes me think that he's going to not allow some of the things that, that got to him get to him again because you can tell he was frustrated with himself. It showed that he's not a rookie coming in. Right. He's not a, a young guy. He's he's a 30-year-old that should know better and so he was like disappointed himself but he looked pretty good um going into it just ran out of pitches in the fifth yeah i think he said something along, along the lines of i couldn't pitch my game which i felt was pretty accurate um but yeah i mean it, it was a tough watch across the board in terms of a game you win by 11 runs just long and you know I, you kind of feel for the ace pitchers at some point because they're kind of just getting left out there till they can find the strike zone which they never really did um but the mets pitching wasn't awesome in this series i mean cookie had his best start of the season by far but we had some bullpen hiccups um i mean the bullpen was big in game two but in game three they almost let that one get away from us a uh, lot of clutch hits from alonzo and lindor specifically that last one in the ninth inning where it kind of felt like the mets could have really folded and just given up and gotten the series win head out of town uh, alonzo just looked locked in this series absolutely locked in he did he had that that home run he hit was it was like I'm going to hit this game tying home you run. Just I'm going to save right? it. You yeah. can see the confidence he had at the plate. Um, he, he talked about a post game where he he like didn't want to jinx that he's locked in. They're yeah. like, "How locked in are you right now?" And he's <laughs> like, "You know, just trying to get my pitch and do damage." I'm like, "Well, you're doing all those things," and I get the not wanting to jinx it because he looks amazing at the plate. Lindor too. That home run he had in game three, they had a game plan, and JP Sears looked decent. He had yeah. some good stuff, but it was to throw the fastball up he nailed the spot it was like four straight fastballs above the zone and the home run that he hit the no doubt home run was like 10 inches 12 inches above the strike zone right. and he stayed on top of it so he's locked in as well Nimmo made two amazing catches uh one in the second to save a run one in the eighth to save the game um what, or it was the ninth. Yeah. It was in the bottom of the ninth, and he saved it with I mean, runners and scoring. It's over. Two-run score, the Two-run score, game over. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I don't think it's talked about enough. I mean, we talk about it plenty because we love Nima, but the strides he's made in center field to not only being just a serviceable center fielder, but being a really good one. Like, he ranks defensively as one of the top center fielders in the league right now, and he's also doing it at the plate like he always does with this 400 on base. Uh, he was great in the field. Both those catches, the one on the warning track, too, I think in the fourth inning of that last game, uh, was spectacular. And uh, speaking of spectacular, David Robertson, uh, we asked a lot of him this series, you know, back-to-back -back days in those last two. We needed scoreless innings, and uh, with that ghost runner on second, he was able to work around it. There was a scary bunt in there, but he gets three ground outs. I mean, I don't know where this team is if David Robertson has not been absolutely perfect throughout the whole run of the way, but he's at eight and a third shutout. I think like four hits and one walk. He's been maybe the best reliever signing of the offseason by like any team. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> you don't know where the Mets would be without him. And he's done it all. But the, I'm a little worried that they can't keep doing that. They're, yeah. He's not going to have a perfect season. Those guys can't pitch in every game. And so you're going to need Yaka Bonus to step up. You're going to need guys to, to – John Curtis has been good. Yep. 
Um, he had a hiccup, but uh, Langoliers had a, a big double. He didn't he didn't throw a strike for or a fastball strike until like the fifth batter. Yeah. Um, he just didn't have it that day. Sometimes it's going to happen, but you're going to need some length because baseball being played every day, you can't rely, especially the older guys. You know, yeah. Adovino and Robertson are are in their mid to late. 30s like these just like the rotation you can't have them pitch every day and so um buck talked about it he said uh you know we can't always have these guys back there we wanted to avoid them smitty was down adovino was down in game three um they didn't want to pitch brooks Raley, but he was available he would probably would have thrown the 11th yeah uh and then robertson was only in a save situation which he came in yeah i mean they've used robertson a lot early in the season. I think, what, eight games now, eight innings, so that's half the games they've played Robertson has pitched, yeah. and that's kind of a scary pace. Um, but, I, you know, I do want to give a shout-out to the young guys, the Mets' depth. It was Budo, uh, Denny Reyes, who's been really good so far this year, and Yacobonis. They went eight innings and one earned run. I know it's the Oakland days, but still, like that's an impressive pitching performance to keep your team in the game when the offense, outside of your two stars, really wasn't doing anything. And there's a lot to talk about there between Escobar's double play in the ninth. Vogelback really took some bad at-bats, if we want to be honest, in that last game. Alvarez got back-to-back starts. I think he took better swings in the second game, but didn't look good overall. And then Canna had his home run, but otherwise was kind of quiet at the plate, too. And I think when you have a series where McNeil, you know, is off because he can't always be on, and Nimmo, you know, does his thing, mostly in the field, you know, those glaring weaknesses in your lineup really show up because then it's really just the Alonzo and Lindor show, and you're not going to get a seven RBI game from Lindor every series, and you're not going to get a game-tying home run from Alonzo every game. So yeah. it's an issue. Uh, Lindor could have had like a 10, 12 he RBI close. game. He, had, he, he almost, flew out to right center. He almost popped track. a couple more. Um, Jose Budo, uh, I know why the Mets liked him so much. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I've heard a bunch of talk about it. We got a little taste of it in Philadelphia last year. Um, where he he struggled, that turned out to be the Mark Canna breakout game. Right. So we're um, thankful for it, I think. Yeah, but Budo, <laughs> I, I liked what I saw. He was throwing 94-95. He had a, a really good changeup, a decent slider, um, nibbled a lot. He, he avoided the strike zone, fell behind a bunch, but made some big pitches, trusted his defense that made some big, big plays behind him. But uh, I can see him doing this again if they need him. He could, he could come up and, and be serviceable and – make a spot start here and there so i like that um tommy fam has been amazing that home run he hit that went i'll to, eat my words man i'll eat him he's got like a 900 rps <laughs> he's, he's been so it. good i agree he's been killing it it's every time he's out there i'm like okay he's doing something uh that was a big boy home run to right center field that that he got and it was clutch like yeah. it wasn't we needed that run um but I, i've been impressed by him it's more than you can say for some of the other bats in the lineup there. Yeah, more. yeah, you're and right. And you got to start thinking about, like, okay, do we start playing fam more? Because, I mean, Canna profiles pretty similarly to him, the, the right-handed corner outfielder, and fam is just hitting a lot better than him right now. And you're coming up with two teams that are going to be probably your toughest teams to face yet, other than the Padres, and three in L.A. with the Dodgers, and then four at Oracle with the Giants and the Mets always kind of have a horror show when they go to San Francisco. So you need a lineup that's going to put up runs, and I think they're going to play Beatty. Otherwise, why'd you call them up? And then maybe they can put some juice in there with Fam as well, and you get a whole new look. I don't know. But they have some questions to answer. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting how they divvy out playing time in a lot of areas because it, it is still early. It's only 50 at-bats into the season um, for Canna. Yeah. Uh, Vogelback is even less. So... But something's got to change, and I agree. Um, what do you want to get into? I want to do a little bit about Cookie Carrasco because okay. I want I want to get your opinion on it. The final line was good, but it's his changeup is still not being the out pitch that it was last year, and I'm I'm starting to get pretty worried about Cookie Carrasco in general. I mean, the velo has been down, but it was a little bit up in this A start, back up at around 93. Um, but still, he doesn't look like the formidable self that he was last year. And you have Verlander around the corner. We got news that Scherzer's start is being pushed back. I don't think that's going to be huge news. That's why they called up Budo in the first place for the start. But what do you do with Carlos Carrasco if you admit to yourself that he can't be part of the starting rotation? Where do you place him? What do you do with him? Well, I don't think I'm there yet. You I don't think, think I'm there. ready to admit that he's not. Because he did look better. Yeah, uh, He was terrible the first two 
this one he looked better his he still kind of loses the strike zone um but his changeup was there a little bit more but this is who he is he's a five and dive pitcher yeah. that's what he was all of last year when he was really really good for the mets um i thought he took a step forward just kind of like um peterson did and mcgill did yeah. they both looked better in their third start over their first two um I thought he did okay, but it just is a glaring spot because, you know, we talked about the bullpen. I think our last 10 starts has been five or five plus. That's the part that's starting to worry me. Yeah, and so you know? you're you're asking the bullpen to carry the load, and so you're going to need Scherzer to go deeper. You're going to need when Verlander comes back, you know, to go deep. Like, yeah. And, and so, that was kind of a luxury they had last year. You know, they really were able to manage the workload of the bullpen well. So much so that like we barely used Edwin Diaz in September and like August and all that. That's true. Yeah, and I forgot about him. Like never throwing. Never in throwing. September. He had like three saves in the last month, and that was a trickle down effect for the whole pen. And right now you have Robertson who's pitching an inning every other game, and Adovino's probably going to catch up to him soon. John Curtis has the most innings in the bullpen. This isn't sustainable. So I'm 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 a little worried on that front. And like you don't have that Trevor Williams life raft that you did last year that was so so valuable. So I'm wondering if somebody falls into that role if when Verlander comes back, if they run some six-man stuff. I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, these are it's early. Things tend to shake themselves out anyway. Um, I think the bigger question is it's not necessarily who and how they're going to handle the rotation because they have to pitch and they have to eat up innings. Yeah. You know, they they sent Jose Budo out for the sixth. He he wasn't. He didn't look sharp the two innings before. He yeah. only had 78 pitches, I think. But it was like, please give us another inning. And he walked the first guy, yeah. and they had to go get him. And so they're just begging for a starter to go a little bit deeper. And that's – it's possible to still get it from from McGill, from Peterson. Carrasco, I don't think, is a – I think this is what you need from him, five yeah. innings. It's what he did last year. It's how he succeeded. Um, you just have to have the top end of your rotation – carry the load a little bit more yeah i'm i think uh because his start in san francisco will probably be oh i have two more this month but that'll be his toughest challenge yet i'm curious about that um i think it's worth it to also have an eduardo escobar conversation here because do you want to tie that into when we talk about brett Beatty's? yeah you know what you want to do our apple first i do positive yeah before before we do our apple um are you looking for some gifting help this mother's day I actually forgot Mother's Day was around the corner. I haven't got my gift yet. Yeah, it's coming up in May. Yeah. Uh, let Lightbox lab-grown diamonds oh. do all the work. Okay. Lightbox makes lab-grown diamonds you'll love with pricing you'll understand. From sparkly studs for to brilliant necklaces, these gems will make her jaw drop. Whether it's for <laughs> mom or your spouse, getting her a stunning stone from Lightbox lab-grown diamonds is a guaranteed win. So this year, skip the socks. Instead, become MVP of Mother's Day with the gift she'll never forget. Use promo code SHAYSTATION10 for 10% off your purchase. SHAYSTATION10 for 10% off. Thank you very much to Lightbox Thank for hitting us up with the sponsorship. Jerry, that was a seamless transition. I'm learning. I'm you learning. You almost caught me off guard, honestly. I tried. <laughs> All right. I think this is kind of a two-horse race for the apple of our eye. I don't. I want to get. I agree. Okay. Um, we're going to take one or the other. But I we want to give a special up. shout out yeah. to Brandon Nimmo. The it's apple. He's not the apple of our eye. Maybe the the peach. I don't know. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but he went five for 12, three runs, two doubles, three RBI, three walks. Spectacular defense. That is a hard thing to do in a new ballpark that's very large. Uh, he made a diving play to his left going back. He made a diving play to his right to save the game just tremendous coverage like it was wonderful to watch um knock the wind out of himself on that last one in the ninth save the game saved an actual if there's ever a one war play that was a you know what i mean <laughs> like he saved the game that would have been a loss because yeah. the ball gets to the fence and they score two and walk it off um amazing full extension so i just want to give him a shout out definitely deserved uh i think i i didn't even realize how good he was at the plate this series five for 12 is a nice line but yeah man it was the defense and his metrics look awesome right now hope he keeps it up i was a little worried on that dive on the second play because i was like oh is he getting is that hamstring okay <laughs> is he all right but he got up he looked fine um because i my brain is still conditioned to think that Brandon nimmo 
you know, could have some time off there, some injuries there. But last year he was really durable. He looks great so far this year. I think, I that's, also, I think that's fair yeah, to, to right? talk about because he has an issue, a history of right. of sometimes something creeping up. And that was before up. he played center field. Yeah, and it's before he stole, you know, bases yeah, he's doing semi-regularly. So, so. He, he worries me, but I love him. Yeah. And I don't want him to stop. I think that's the thing. You, you, you love him so much because he's so valuable right. um, that you're worried. You're like, every time you're like, uh, okay. Is this the one? Mm-hmm. It just knocked the wind out of himself. He was out there. He's like, oh. Speaking of getting a little worried, uh, but not so much anymore because he looks so comfortable out there. Starling Marte stole three bases this series. He's up to seven on the year already in 16 games. That's ridiculous. Uh, he went two for ten, a double, three RBI, four walks, and three stolen bases. He hit the ball harder than that yes. too. He hit the ball. I was right going to say the same people. thing. Yep. And the Mets, speediest team in the National League. Did you have that in your <laughs> book? Twenty stolen bases leads yeah. the NL. That's awesome. Yeah. Considering how poorly they've hit, they've made it work. They've manufactured. Um, yeah, man, it's an exciting element. I enjoy when Marte's on first base. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Let's watch this. I mean, they have the most walks in MLB, the second least amount of strikeouts, and they have the most stolen bases in the NL. So that's kind of bread and butter for the Mets right now. Get on base, grab the extra base, and then just hope you can get the big hit. Speaking of big hits, let's get to our boys. You want to go first? I do want to go first. And uh, the apple of my eye goes to Pete Alonso. Wow. He was just so... Clutch, huge home runs. Mm. Pete Alonso, four for 12, three runs, two huge homers, two RBI, three walks. He moves to a tie for fifth on the all-time Mets home run list. And only Jeff Kent, who I just looked at his baseball reference up until last night, didn't know actually was on the really? Mets. Yeah, yeah just, a, just a blind. He had a, a good run at it, too. Yeah. Uh, his, only Jeff Kent has matched his total of eight home runs through the first 16 games. Just spectacular, and he did it in big moments. Uh, he had to hit that home run in the ninth, and he did. He wanted to do it. He came through. It's almost calling your shot. Um, just an incredible run, and uh, I love watching him swing the bat right now. Yeah, I mean, he just looks he looks like he knows what's coming, which is incredible. I mean, he leads the league in home runs. He's got an OPS over one dot. I mean, he's still striking out, but it doesn't matter when every time you need him to get a big hit, he's getting a big hit. And we always talk about, you know, how sustainable is this, but right now it's working, and it's exactly what the Mets need, and hopefully things will fall into place after the fact. For, for Pete Alonso, you talk about sustainability. I think the way he's had an approach is sustainable. Like, this isn't, to me, a fluke. You know, he's not always going to make great – You just sometimes you don't feel good, but the his approach and, and his confidence is – it shows on the field, and I think, you know, I think he's got a shot. I think you had a tweet that says this is the MVP season. I mean, do you want to know why I think that? Uh, I agree with you okay. that it's possible, but yes, tell me tell me why. Two big things. The reason, I'm going to get a little nerdy. The reason yeah, his LPS is so high is because he's walking more, obviously. You know, they just walked a ton of batters. It wasn't solely Pete's doing. But his out-of-zone swing percentage last year, when he had a great year, 36%. This year right now, 26%. 10% decrease in swinging at pitches that are out of the zone. His swing strike rate, you know, pitches just in the zone in general, down 1.5%. So Pete, when he's taking hacks, is not only making hard contact, but he's swinging at pitches in the zone. And when he does that, he drives the ball a lot more. And you've seen that so far with eight home runs. And if he can keep that up, man, I, who knows what that home run total is going to be by the end of the year. So uh, another little nerdy nit- tidbit here Get that I actually on covered on, on the, the pregame yesterday yeah. about a Pete, Pete Alonso. Last year, his like percentile rankings yep. on chase rate, you're talking about swinging at pitches out of the zone. Uh, this is what you expect from a home run hitter. He was in the 19th percentile. So, right. you know. Low. Part of the lowest, bottom fifth in the league of swinging at pitches out of the zone. This year, he's in the top 70. He's in the 73rd percentile. So if that mixed in with the the, the fact that he's super strong and yeah. can crush homers, like if you swing at, if you <laughs> if you only swing at pitches that you can drive and you're making pitches come to you, pretty incredible. And that's a sustainable recipe for success. 
And also one thing we didn't even mention, you know, my thoughts go to the Francisco Alvarez drop third strike that Alonso had to reach for and then dive to the base. His defense has looked pretty good so far. He's 78th percentile and now it's above average. So he's top, what, top quarter of league first baseman in playing defense, which is not something you could say even a year ago. It's true. And uh, as a first baseman, that's pretty impressive. And so if he continues that on the defensive side, yeah, he's he's got a shot at that. We got a conversation to have. I mean, Steve... If he wins an MVP, <laughs> that price is going to go way up for that extension. So let's just get it done now. You know? I have a feeling it's pretty high anyway. Yeah, I think but it's that's, pretty yeah, high. Yeah, that's Pete Alonso on my apple of my eye. Like a nice long-winded apple. That was a, yeah, we got it how too. Good that player is. I'm obviously going to take the other end of the sides here. I'm going to take Francisco Lindor as the apple of my eye. It might be the best like stat line I've ever read for an apple just because it's stuffed with everything. Four for 13, four runs, two doubles, two home runs, eight RBI, two walks, and a stolen base. A little cherry on top there for Francisco (laughs) Lindor. He said that he feels balanced on both sides of the plate for the first time this season. It definitely looked that way because he had big hits from both the left side and the right side on different pitches. He's the third Met with a seven RBI game since 2010. Ioannis Cespedes in 2015. How about Jose Bautista in 2018? That's funny. Uh, And he set the Mets record for most RBIs in a game by a shortstop. He looked terrific. Again, another guy that's not chasing as much as he did last year. You can tell by that walk total. And he finally gets that OPS up with some big hits. We had some questions about Lindor in general. He had some shaky at-bats, but he looked very sure of himself in a stadium that he hits very, very well in. And we're going to need him to be big in this upcoming uh, rest of the West Coast trip because now you got two tough teams. The rest of the lineup is kind of slumping. We need Alonzo and Lindor to stay hot, and they got the job done this series for sure. Well-deserved. The apple to Lindor. Uh, yeah, he's just amazing to – I don't think people understand just how incredible it is to be a switch hitter. Uh, it's just so hard. It's two completely different body feel, like swinging the other direction, uh, and to be locked in. And you know, I always talked with uh, like Neil Walker, guys I played with in the past um, that are switch hitters. Just how how do you do it? Like how do you feel? He's like sometimes you feel great from the left side for a week and terrible from the right side and vice versa. It usually doesn't sync up. And right now he feels good and confident from both sides of the plate. Uh, and it showed. I think he, he really drove the ball. He might have had that after the Grand Slam, the, you know, I feel too good, so I'm trying to do too much, and he just missed another homer. That um, would have put him at 10 RBIs which, if that went over the fence. Yeah, it would have been amazing. So, <laughs> uh, But still, he's he's incredible, playing on both sides. Everybody's getting on him for his arm strength. I haven't seen the subpar arm strength. Like, I actually I haven't seen that. That's a oh, thing? People yeah, are talking well, that's about been that? a thing for him defensively, that oh. he doesn't have the arm strength, which he doesn't. But he's sure. he makes the throws when he needs to. Yeah. He's got a quick release, and he knows – how to get people out. So I think he is one of the best defensive shortstops in the game, and he's clicking offensively, which makes him like that dual threat that you love. And I mean, that defensive prowess is the reason why, by baseball reference war, he's the most valuable player in baseball right now. 1.3 war is better than every other player in the major leagues. big part of that is that shortstop defense. And uh, in the infield, he's going to have a new buddy, to his right side probably every day i wouldn't be surprised if that's the plan because brett Beatty is up the mets have had enough they got bullied online by mets fans every day bullying works kids brett Beatty gets the call up he had a 1.386 ops in AAA in 35 at bats five home runs and 15 rbi forced the mets hand partially because of the mets lineup like you said before being kind of cold and him just absolutely raking uh in AAA. uh what are your impressions of this what do you think is the Mets plan with Brett Beatty. Yeah, first of all, good on them for finally pulling the trigger. I think I think the timing is right. I think yeah. they gave enough leash to guys to try to perform. Um, and give cheers to Brett Beatty because there's a lot of things as a ball player, especially a young one, you don't have control over your own career. He could have just been buried in AAA for the next 10 years and nobody would have ever thought about it. But he made them call him up. He continued his hot spring into, well, I think it was only nine games, but just so impactful. Um, 
and it's not like fluky. He's not. He doesn't have a ton of swing and miss in his game. He's not trying to do too much. He took his walks. Uh, seven walks in nine games is a sizable amount. Yeah, to be able to have seven walks in nine games and also hit five homers. Like, I broke it down a little bit. I saw him this spring training, and I went in and I talked to him, and he had a different confidence to him. Last year it was, you know, just happy to be here kind of approach, enjoying his time in the big leagues, which is beyond understandable. I had that look for probably two, three years. (laughs) Uh, But this spring training, I came in and I was talking to him, and he he felt a little bit different, a lot of confidence. Um, And it showed out because... You know, I, I explained it this way. Sometimes you don't know what you're missing as a player until you struggle or you get to the big leagues and you're like, wow, everything's a little bit different here. These are my shortcomings. Because you can hear it from coaches. You can hear it from players. Like, you need to work on this. But until you get there and feel it, some guys don't see it until the, it's there. And he did that. And the best way to get better in any aspect of your life is to have targeted practice. And so he took the skills that he was missing, defensive footwork, uh, instinctual that, certain amounts of strength and approach at the plate, and he attacked those individual things with intent, and he came in feeling confident. The confidence comes from, the confidence is from him doing the work that he knew he needed to succeed in the big leagues, and it showed. He showed it defensively in spring training, he showed it offensively in spring training, and it carried over. He forced their hand. It was a, It's a wonderful run, and I think they're going to let him play. I really do. Loved everything you said right there. That was awesome. You sounded like a coach. That was great. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, man, I mean, you, na- you hit the nail on the head. I mean, he took the time out this winter to work with MLB professionals and improve his defense. Troy Tulowitzki, my guy. Uh, and also, half of his extra base hits have come against left-handed pitching, so that's not an issue for him anymore either. I think it was he got a taste in the middle of the pennant race, a very heated pennant race, and I think that made him hungrier, and that's really, really cool. Uh, and, you know, we, we complained a lot, I think, you know, maybe not you, but me specifically about wanting the kids who are raking up at the big leagues. But at the face of it, we're 16 games in, and Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty are on the team. So I think you have to be pretty happy with that if you're a Mets fan in general. Plus, Mark Vientos and Ronnie Mauricio also raking as well. Maybe they get into the conversation, it's too. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, for a team that's – that's, they were supposed to be one more year away, I think. Yeah. Uh, but Beatty, Alvarez, his offense was supposed to be there, and it was defense. He looks solid behind the plate. He looks overmatched at the dish. Uh, he did look better with every at-bat, and he's starting to calm down, which I think will only improve. Um yeah, you have to play him to get that. And but Brett Beatty, I think his his approach, I think, is a lot more liable to be successful from the from the jump. So I hope he he comes in and continues to rake. If not, I think he, he this is his job now. That's my that's my thought. I don't know what roster move they eventually make with whether what position player has to go, but. I can see Eduardo Escobar making the occasional start against a lefty. Sure. But to me, he's five, six days a week playing third base. You cannot have a scenario where half the games in a week you're not playing your top two prospects. Because if that's the case, then you should have them in AAA. That's just the face of it. They should be seeing live pitching more than they're not. It feels it feels very much like this is the thing. That's why they were waiting. Because if they call him up, he's their third baseman kind of approach. Whereas with Alvarez... Catching is such a big deal, and it's more important than hitting when you're a catcher because of the expectations on this ball club stem from their rotation and back into their bullpen. And so that's his most important job. Brett Beatty, if you're up here, it's a need, and you've earned it. So I think he's I think he's you know going to sit at third base and, and be there more oftentimes than not by a lot. I sure hope so. And the Mets could use it, man. They could use some sort of pop or offensive spark plug in the middle of that lineup uh, because the other guys just aren't getting it done right now. And I know it's early in the season. we got to get everybody playing time. Vogie hasn't played that much because we've faced so many lefties. But this call-up was necessary. I'm glad the Mets pulled the trigger and acted quickly uh, because now you're catching him when he's hot. You know, Don't wait for him to cool down. Call him up when he's got that fire under him and see if it translates really well. Um, but the Mets roster now, 
kind of in flux a little bit. You know, we had a, a couple moves this series. Dennis Santana got DFA'd after throwing some long relief, which is a move we've seen from so many big league teams. It's a cruel business. <laughs> yep, man. yep. It's part of the gig. He understands. Yeah. Uh, Steven Nagosik hits the 15-day IL. We hate that left elbow bone bruise. Hopefully he Is that a fact that it was his left elbow? I thought it hit him in the back. It did Am hit I him crazy? in the back, but I think it hit his right elbow, his throwing elbow. I'm pretty sure it was his, know, so I think it hit his throwing elbow and then hit his back. I mean, he made the play. He looked great. You know, he picked He the ran ball. over it, and yeah. then he was like, I, he kept trying to shake it out. Yeah. I think it just made his his hand numb. But the imaging came back uh, negative, which is great, so they think he avoided major injury. Um, that was a tough scene, though. He's been a bright spot. Yeah, they need they need they wanted him for like three innings that game. And yeah, he was, out he after was one. ready because yeah. that's kind of been his role, yeah. uh, minus the DFA. Like last year, they're like three innings, see you later. And yeah. Now he's like, you know, now you can't. You now you can't. I don't have options. Yeah. But that was tough. And then um, uh, Budo and Yakabonis got added. We talked to a Max Scherzer before, but there needs to be a move for Brett Beatty. You alluded to it before. It's going to be Budo. I think it's going to be the initial move, yeah. but the the real move that they have to make is playing time and and the pecking order. You know, do they do they DFA Escobar? I don't <sighs> think so. I don't think they do that because he's you know he did you see his quote. Yeah, it was it was the perfect thing to say. Yeah, he said, you know, Buck didn't address it because it's not an official move yet. Yes. They haven't actually called him up officially yet, so he can't really address anything. But Escobar was like, yeah, the kid deserves everything he gets. He's the future of this ball club. Um, he's going to be your third baseman. Uh, he earned it. So classy, man. And that just shows you a glimpse of why he's so revered in that clubhouse. Yeah. Um, it would be... I don't see them parting with him. I don't see it And either. I see him handling a demotion of of significant role with grace and class. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got to earn his playing time back. Yeah, you but, see what's going on, you know, for those uh, New Yorkers that, that watch the Yankees, you see how Aaron Hicks is handling not p- playing. It's tough to go from a veteran role to it's a, a hard pill to role. swallow yeah. like you you know at some point you have to perform and Aaron Hicks is like I don't know I just want to play um and that's understandable um but I can see Escobar just being like yeah I'll, I'll take a back seat and I'll play when I do I'll cheer everybody on I'll be as helpful as I can so but they could yeah. the, some of the other possibilities are Vogelback DFA because Fam has been great. Right, You're not, it's um, not going to be Fam. I think we can say that outright. It's not going to be Fam. Fam's been too valuable, playing good defense and absolutely raking. And this yeah. is the uh, offense that's been. I, I'd say anemic would be the extreme. It would word. be harsh. It would but be. It's yeah, been it's a little harsh. Underwhelming. I think underwhelming. Um, they've been putting up runs without getting hits, yeah. uh, which is impressive. But it could be Giorme who has an option. So there's a lot of things that they could do. La Castro, like who knows? Yeah. Um, but like you said, it's not going to be Budo forever because they're going to need another arm. You can't yeah. run that and bullpen. So Budo, uh, yeah, he did a great job filling in. They're going to need it again. We talked about a six-man rotation. These these things still exist. Um, the need to give the guys of the rotation an extra day or two. Um, let's let's just touch on Max Scherzer real quick. Yeah. So how how much do you know? Because I I feel a little unclear. Do you think so, this is something that's persisted from other starts? No. So uh, again, this is throwing a hundred baseballs in a night is sore. It makes your entire I've body never done sore. It, before. it is it. You're hurting. Yeah. And you recover in a certain amount of time. Um, in his recovery, he had soreness that lingering soreness that didn't go away when it normally does. Yeah. And so he addressed it, his video clip. Uh, it's By the way, it's the best I've ever seen his hair. I don't know if you saw it. And so, he looked good. I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. Scherzer's is usually like fresh out of the shower. Yeah, it's yeah. all like. But uh, he said he was annoyed to have to talk about it, but he's such a pro that he was just like, look, we already had a guy coming up. I feel this lingering soreness. Why not take advantage of it? It would be selfish of me to try to pitch through it. It's silly. You know, and and he's right because why try to pitch through it right now when you're not 100% because Verlander tried to do the same thing. So he tried to pitch through something that he's felt before and is like, it'll go away, and it didn't. Yeah. You know, there you're he is 40 years old, and, and Scherzer is almost 39 or is 39. Why put yourself at a higher risk? It, it's not worth it. 
go ahead and take a couple of days. I mean, my whole flow, I said this in the PPP for both of them. I want the healthiest, best version of these two guys in October. Nothing else yeah. matters. You know, if you got to get there, man. you got to get there. And I understand that. And the Mets are finding ways to win right now. And that might not be the recipe going forward, but they have talented arms in this rotation that should perform. And if it means that you get 20 from Scherzer and 20 from Verlander, I think that's enough. But right now in April, the last thing you want is for these two guys to go out there when they're not 100% and hurt themselves. In fact, yeah, yeah I can I completely agree. Scherzer is uh, 38 and 264 days. So. He's 39. He's he's no, he's not. <laughs> As a, he's almost there though. He's in his age 39 season. Yeah, but you, know, um, you got it. You got to do it. Yeah. I don't think it's a thing, but it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. That it's like, could this be? you know, a sign of things to come. So yeah. hopefully not. I mean, he's slated for the last game of this Dodgers series. And if he makes the start, no one's going to talk about him. That's the way I look at yeah, it. Yeah. And have him pitch against the Dodgers is better than having him pitch for a sweep in Oakland, to be right. honest, because right. you don't need him in Oakland. You need him in LA. Yeah. And the Mets used their depth to their advantage. And they got eight great innings from guys that weren't on the opening day roster and they made it work. Wild. And it's a talented organization. They can survive if Scherzer needs to skip a turn. I'm That's perfect. my outlook. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're going to get some fun lineups this series, I think. I hope uh, there's going to be that corresponding roster move, whether it's LeCastro DFA, Guillaume does have an option. Uh, you know, Jose Budo sent down for now, but that's a question the Mets will have to answer you soon. Think, you think Vogelbeck is very off the table? He's getting paid $1.5 million this year, which we've seen the Mets cut bait on money more often than not. But we haven't seen a lot of him consistently this year, which is why I'm averse to it. Because last year, he was really good with the Mets. He had an 830 OPS in a very offensively down year across the league. And this year, we haven't seen him play back-to-back games yet, I don't think, because they've faced so many lefties. I think we need to have that stretch and see it from him. And if he still struggles there, that's a larger question, because this is a guy that can't play defense. He only plays against one side of pitching. And if he's not hitting, then he provides you literally nothing. And I understand where Mets fans are coming from with that, but he's only played 10 games. So I, I agree with you. Yeah. And uh, I just thought it was it was worth mentioning because he was great last year. Right. Like a sneaky great. Yeah. And he didn't hit homers, but he got on base and he he, he drove the ball. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't had – I don't think he's had a large enough sample size yet this I don't year. think he's had a good game this year. I'm not going to say that he's been good. Like no, he's, but – He's it, been a again, tough watch. Yeah, he's been a, it's he's only had 30 at bats. Exactly. So. Which is why I think he's he's off the table. And yep. personally for me, I feel like Tim LaCastro is an absolute cheat code. I think he was he have five stolen bases already and he's barely played at all. Um and that's a weapon. I think they talked about this on Talking Yanks. You want your bench to be defined by guys that have a tool that they do really really well. For Escobar, you know, he has a lot of tools. And if he clicks, you have a switch hitting guy that can play third and second and really hits lefty as well when he's right. For LeCastro, he's speedy. He can steal you an extra base late in the game. And for Guillaume, he can play world-class defense. But the thing is, the Mets play great defense already with their starting guys. And that makes me feel like he's the most expendable at this point. Especially with an option. Here, Especially with an option. That's the move... I expect as well. Which is going to be sad. It's because Guillaume has been a staple. I feel like he's been a Met for 2,000 years. Yes. He's one of the longest tenured Mets right now. Yeah. Um, and he's done nothing great, but he's, you know, he's he hasn't been called upon a ton. Uh, he's played good defense when called in. He's been basically himself, minus you know a couple of starts that haven't been great. Right. But, you know, I think that's the easiest understandable move that they make for Brett Beatty, especially being an infielder. Yeah. It's just, uh, you can't, you can only carry so many infielders. Guillaume, you know who he is at this point and he's valuable. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Guillaume is not a good player. He's a very valuable player to have in your bench, but there's not room for both him and Escobar and Escobar is getting paid $10 million. Yeah. This year. Yep. And he, you, you talk about trading Escobar, but I don't it's think too there's early. trade value. There's no value. It's yeah. just not. It won't make sense. Yeah, but plus, again, he's a valuable key member of the clubhouse, which is team morale. To it's really yeah. important. Yeah, so that'll be tough. I don't know when that's going to come, uh, whether it's today or four days from now when they have to make a pitching move. But I think that is the move that's around the corner. Yeah, it's it's again, we'll that's speculation, but we'll see. 
We'll see. All right, Jerry. Can you tell me who's facing off in L.A.? I can. Do this it for is me. a big three-game set. After the sweep in Oakland, they go Bay Area, Southern Cal, back to the Bay. But this is the trip to L.A. Very different Game team. one, David Peterson, 0-2 with a 4-9-1. Coming off his best outing against the Padres, he went five and two-thirds, two earned runs, six hits, two walks, and six Ks. He's going against the big red man himself, Dustin May, who's 1-1 one one with a sparkling 1.47 ERA. Miguel Rojas, you remember him from his Marlins days? He is now manning shortstop for the Dodgers. He's 5-9 with a homer against Peterson. And Dustin May hasn't allowed a home run in 18 and a third innings pitched over three starts this year. Sounds like he's due to me. I think so. That's game one. Game two, <laughs> Tyler McGill, big drip, 3-0 and with a 2-2-5. He's going against Clayton Kershaw. I've heard of him. He's 2-1 and with a 3.5 ERA. Aforementioned, Eduardo Escobar. He's going to be facing off possibly against the lefty Clayton Kershaw. He's four for 22 with two homers against him. Kershaw has tossed exactly six innings in each of his three starts so far this season, and the Mets are averaging seven runs scored in games started by Tyler McGill. like that. That's game two. Game three, the big one. Mad Max Scherzer, who's 2-1 and one with a 4-4-1, coming off what I think is his best outing. He's got a little bit of the lingering soreness, but he had five shutout innings against the the Padres. He's going against old friend Thor, Noah Syndergaard, who's 0-2 with a 5-6-3 ERA. Many Dodgers hitters have a lot of experience against Scherzer. He's been in the National League for 44 years now. David Peralta is one of them. He's 6-for-20 with two homers. J.D. Martinez is another one. He's 2-for-10 with a homer. Old friend Freddie Freeman is 11-for-47 with three homers off of him. And Max Muncie is 4-for-12 with a home run. That is a lot of history against a oh, guy yeah. that throws a lot of innings. Noah Syndergaard, he struck out nine Cubs in a quality start last time out. So he's going to face off against the Mets for the first time. People said he dodged him last year. Who knows? We're about to see it this year unless he shakes it again. That Hope is your not. three-game set in L.A. Three really fun probables for this series. Obviously, I think the, the most attention will go to the last one. But Miguel versus Kershaw should be a lot of fun, too. Hopefully, Peterson can maybe solidify his spot in the rotation with a good start in LA against the Dodgers, a very scary place to pitch. Jerry, I got a crazy stat for you. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. The bottom five teams in baseball for batting average. Okay. Tigers? Yeah. Royals? Yeah. yeah. Mets? Mm-hmm. Padres? Ooh. Dodgers? Whoa. Three of the five bottom teams in baseball betting 231 as a team or lower are the Mets, Dodgers, and Padres. Two offensives that have kind of had similar stories so far. They've been getting the job done and winning games, but no one has super impressed so far. So I'm hoping something gives this series and we see some offense, hopefully from the Mets side, obviously. Um, but they got two righties going, so we could see two Brett Beatty starts. We could see two Dan Vogelback starts, which would be nice. Hopefully we can get him going. And, yeah, I like that you pointed out the Escobar note because he would start, hypothetically, in this new role against Clayton Kershaw in Game 2. Yeah, not necessarily because Beatty can't hit lefties, which he'll face some lefties. He you, will. You can't just platoon a guy. Right. Um, but we're easing him in, I think. Yeah, I think we're going to ease him in, and it's a perfect time to get Escobar a start. It's against nasty Clayton Kershaw, the Hall of Famer. Um, and he has a good history against him. So I think that that makes absolute sense to get an Escobar a start. Um, in place of Brett Beatty. So. Yeah, and for Noah, I think that ERA is a little misleading. He had that one blow-up start in his second game against the Diamondbacks. Had to face them twice in a row. First time he faced them, six innings pitch, one earned run. Then last time against the Cubs, six innings, three earned runs, nine punchies for him. So maybe the Dodgers have unlocked Noah Syndergaard. Who knows? But the Mets will finally get to face him after uh, he dodged us for a couple of years there. <laughs> you Okay, you, he, he's one of those guys, I guess, Joe. I don't know. It's not uh, a it's coincidence. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, for the Dodgers, just to touch up on, Freddie yeah. Freeman is hitting the cover off the ball. Of course. Not surprising. Uh, Max Muncy looks like a full rebounded guy. Uh, James Outman is their young rookie, uh, 26-year-old. He's looking really good. He's uh, OPS of 990 in 16 games this year. They just Mookie Betts, find guys, man. Mookie Betts, uh, not an amazing start, but he's still hitting you know, 267. J.D. Martinez... Uh, Jason Hayward has looked uh, all right. Like, Max Muncy has returned to form. Uh, they're not hitting amazing, but they have the pieces. They look really good. Um, 
and James Altman uh, actually looks like a, a, a guy. So hopefully him and Brett Beatty, uh, he, Beatty can be like, I'm a better prospect <laughs> than you. So could be a little NL rookie of the year race. That yeah. We're they did lose Will Smith or catcher. Mm. Um, arguably the best catcher in the game right now him, on both JT sides of the ball. Adley. Him yeah. and JT real Muto Adley. Yeah. Um, but he got a concussion. Um, so that stuff, Austin Barnes is there. Um, but yeah, man, this is a Dodgers team that doesn't feel quite as formidable as it has for the last decade, right. but they're still they're very, still very good, and they're probably going to win 100 games again. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. And I think that's why finishing the sweep and getting that last game is so important going forward, because now you've put yourself in a position where it's tough to go into Dodger Stadium and win a series. We know that. Last year, we went in there and we split four, which was great. We considered that a huge victory. If the Mets come away and they win one of these games and they only win one in Oracle Park, hey, you went 5-5 five and five on your West Coast trip. That's not a bad turn. You can come back home and get right again. That's why that sweep was monumental. That's that's very true. And again, they're not hitting great. So uh, a good pitcher, one that throws a ton of strikes like a Dustin May who's nasty, um, could give this team fits when their current form. So hopefully they break out their bats. So yeah. I'm excited. This should be fun. This is another, like, the first test against the Padres they passed. They they won yeah. the series. This is the the next best test, These this series in L.A. Um, let's see how they look against, you know, some really good pitching. I'm excited for it. Late games. Well. So I'm working socials for one of them. I'm going to be up late, Ooh, late, 1 a.m. I'm not doing that. He's not doing that. All right, I think that's all we got. Oh, it was a good episode. It was jam-packed. Lots of stuff to talk about. Exciting times in Metzland. I agree. Guys, we'll see you next time. Uh, take care. Uh, make sure you get some sleep in. Even though we're going to be staying up late this week. But uh, let's go, Mets. Let's get a couple wins. I'm in. Let's, 